Welcome back to Those Happy Places, the podcast that treats theme park rides and attractions like literature. I'm Buddy Duquesne. And I'm Alice White. Today we're going to be talking about the concept of rides as games, and also the term emergent narrative. And we're going to use the examples of uh, Buzz Lightyear's Astro Blasters and Toy Story Midway Mania, both of which are at the Disneyland Resort. Uh, But first, hey Alice. Yes, buddy? Do you enjoy playing darts at your local bar? I do enjoy playing darts at my local bar. Actually, my fiancé and I have have a bar we like to go to specifically because they've got a good dartboard. Now, that's funny. You know, I uh, have a, a bar just down the street from me that also has a pretty good dartboard, and I was there with Kate Prince, who who lives in my house. Do you know Kate Prince? <laughs> I know of her. <laughs> she lives in my house. Uh, and we were playing a couple of rounds of darts, and, you know, as, as a dart aficionado yourself, um, the appeal of darts isn't really, I mean, in my opinion, it's not really the, the rules of darts, um, or, or even, like, a, a specific... Uh, competitive thing like playing to a certain amount of points or something like that. It, it it seems to me like the the point of darts is just to be like who can do better at darts under the rules that we establish right now, right? Yeah, it's for some people it might be about the uh, the rules or the numbers or their like personal stats. I think uh, my fiance and his friends are are kind of more like that than I am. Um, but for me, and I guess also for you, um, the most fun part about playing darts at your local bar is the trash talk <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, showing off to the person you're with how good you can be at darts. How excellent you are at darts. <laughs> especially, like, the drunker you get, like, the if you can still keep up how good you are at darts. Yeah, and I think darts is, is a game that's best played when you're kind of loose and just kind of having fun with it, and and you forget almost immediately the results of the game. It's it's kind of like, oh yeah, I won that round of darts. Um, look how big my score is. Let's start over and see whose score is bigger the next time. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's right. not really, it's not something that like hangs around. It's temporary. Right. So, Buddy, I have a question for you. Sure. If you were at your local bar, would you wait uh, 30 minutes to play a round of darts? Um, I, I don't feel like... If I saw a line for the dart game, I would be like, oh, is there something else to do around here? I might I might look around and then maybe check back, but I wouldn't like stand behind the players and wait my turn for 30 minutes to play darts. So, so, so you also wouldn't stand in line uh, behind other players uh, for, say, ninety to one hundred and twenty minutes to play a round of darts. That is a ludicrous amount of time, and I think that you are <laughs> leading me on intentionally, Alice. Where are you going with this? So, I'm wondering why then we, and we in fact have done this, go ahead and wait in line up upwards of almost an hour and a half, maybe even two hours to ride rides like Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters or Toy Story Midway Mania when really when you break down the mechanics of it, they're just kind of really big dart games. 
You know, like, Alice, I, I, think they're, I think they're a little different than dart games. I, I mean, I guess maybe like a little different, but I don't really think they're, they're all that different. Alice, I would say that, that uh, a dark ride with animatronics and special effects and uh, electronic scoring and a, a fun story about stopping an evil alien emperor from stealing double-A batteries is way more interesting than a game of darts at your local bar. Okay, sure. I'll give you that much. It is just a, it is a ride. But at the end of the day, it's kind of still the same thing. Do you remember the last time you rode Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters? Do you remember your score? Do you remember how well you did the time before that even? Are you keeping track of your score? Well, you know, because I am an obsessive Alice, I do have a uh, have a booklet that I keep with me specifically <laughs> for that. So I wrote it down in my booklet so I wouldn't have to oh. remember. Okay, so you have your little booklet with all the scores. Yeah, uh, all what right do those scores tell you about the last few times that we played Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters as far as your score versus my score? Well, Alice, here I'm I'm um I'm opening my <laughs> my ledger here. Um. <laughs> And it says that uh, you have uh, utterly destroyed me handily uh, by thousands of points uh, for for the last 15 years. How is that even possible? I don't think it's even been open for 15 years. <laughs> well, it's a very, it's a very uh, extensive set of records. <laughs> Anyways, it's just about the only game that I can beat you at. You beat me at literally every other game. Nope, not literally every other game. No, there, there's game. at least one other game. Uh, and, and you know, I think, Alice, uh, it might be time for us to turn to our literary term of the week, um, which I know might disappoint those in the audience who are hoping for a lot of trash talk. But we actually have a point to make about all of this. Um, so, Oh, but don't worry. I'm going to still talk a lot of trash. Yeah, we're going to get back to the trash talk. Don't worry. Um, so here's here's the literary term for the week. Today we're talking about um, emergent narrative, which is not a literary term as much as it's a game design term, but it's it's really connected to storytelling, and it's kind of outside of our parameters generally, but I, I feel that it, it is the best way to describe the storytelling methods of these two rides in particular. So... Emergent narratives are stories that are not necessarily meant to be told, or they're not really authored by one person or one group. Instead, emergent narratives come from the interaction of players with systems. For example, uh, Alice, think of games that you haven't necessarily had stories built into while you're playing, such as like Minecraft or The Sims or Civilization which are very complicated systems that you interact with that uh, kind of invite you in in new ways for you to form your own story along the way. Uh, rather than taking you through a series of pre-scripted events, they kind of let you play with the system so that you come away feeling like you've had a personal experience. Okay. That makes sense, and that kind of reminds me of the only other game that I've ever been able to uh, beat you at, which is um, the the masterpiece of 
a video game known as Harry Potter Quidditch World Cup now available for the Nintendo GameCube. <laughs> All right, uh, which you can now go out and you can purchase your brand new Nintendo GameCube um, and a, a brand new copy of this disc, uh, which which contains the game Harry Potter Quidditch World Cup, uh, <laughs> which is a very uh, a very brand new game um, that many people <laughs> are playing this moment, I'm sure. Uh, and, sure. and, you know, Alice, uh, if you've ever sat down and played that game alone, as I have, um, I also have, it's a, it's did a, you sit down to play it alone just to learn how to play it so you could eventually beat me at it? I mean, well, um, as you know, that never actually happened. So if I, did. if I told you that, then it would just make me seem sad and pathetic. So I'm going to deny that that's why I was doing this. <laughs> It's okay, because I sit down and play it alone just to keep my skills sharp. Right. Still, just, to this day. Just in case I wanted to have a rematch. Um, Maybe someday. So, uh, in, in that game, if you're, if you're just playing the game, uh, you play matches against a series of, of opponents until you win a championship. It's, it's a really, really simple story. Um, and actually, it's so simple that you can change who your team is, and the story will be the same every time. So... The characters that you're playing as aren't necessarily important to the story at all. Ooh. No, what's important to the story is you creating your your skill and your abilities as they grow. Um, whether you win or lose the match is what affects the narrative. Right. So we're with a with a more uh, intricately narrative, uh, or maybe maybe more uh, narratively focused game. You might learn the story of a character that you kind of embody and and help through the action beats of the story. Um, but here, you really are your your players are just avatars for you, and the stories that are told are of your victories and defeats more than these characters on the screen. As as funnily animated or voice acted as they may be, I, I seem to remember a really funny Irish accent from that game. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think one of the commentators is 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 Irish. just very Irish, right? Uh, and it's it's not about them; it's not their story. It's about what you do in the system that creates the story. Right. So, uh, why does this? Uh, why is this? applicable to the topic at hand this week, buddy. You know, Alice, the more the more I thought about it, the more I was thinking, like, you know, these two rides, uh, they kind of pretend to have a story. Um, Astro Blasters especially, and I think we'll get to that in a second. Um, but not really Midway Mania. Both of them are just kind of like, this is a fun, giant-sized game. Uh, an arcade game, uh, for lack of a better analogy. And a game where you rack up the points and then you compare those points to each other. So the story isn't really like, oh, man, remember when we helped Buzz defeat Zerg? Or, oh, man, remember when we uh, got to that part of the Midway game where it was uh, it was a volcano? And, wow, that was so cool. Like, we really survived that experience together. It's, it's more <laughs> like, uh, ha-ha, your score is lower than mine. I am the winner. Uh, or, haha, I figured it out. I know how to beat you now. I am interacting with the system in a new way. I'm only shooting triangle targets, and that's how I'm going to win. 
Um, <laughs> which, you know, is something I've tried. And again, it hasn't ever worked out. Um, but you know, you were so close. It, it's, it's, it's not really about the story that these rides are saying they're telling. It's more about the story that you walk away with, with you and your companions, or maybe if you ride single rider, um, your neighbors, uh, depending on who, uh, who comes out on top, it, it affects your level of satisfaction with the ride, or at least it gives you something to talk about after. I could imagine if I were a parent, um, losing on purpose. Uh, and I, I could imagine, like, my kid being really excited that they had won the game uh, and that they had beat me at Buzz Blasters. Not that they had beat Buzz Blasters. Uh, no, but they you at Buzz Blasters. Right, that they had overcome me because I would be their challenge. I could imagine that being really, really satisfying um, for both of us if I were a parent. Um, and And that's... That's, I think, what the point of these rides might be, despite their, uh, their kind of pretension of having a storyline. Um, so, Alice, that's why we're kind of talking about emergent narrative today, because, uh, there, there is this pair of rides at Disneyland, both of which use this game design technique and, uh, make the story about the one that you experience, not about the story that they're trying to tell. And why don't you start off, uh, Alice, uh, talking about Buzz Lightyear's Astro Blasters at Disneyland. Right. So, um, oh, and to, to clarify, I know we just said it, but we're talking about Buzz Lightyear's Astro Blasters at Disneyland. We do know that there is the Buzz Lightyear, what is it called, buddy? It's the uh, Space Ranger Spin. It's a similar ride yeah it's, it's, it's a very similar ride and there's also similar rides uh at tokyo and uh paris i believe right um uh, but specifically again because we're california-based people uh we're going to be talking about buzz lightyear astro blasters which is a linear dark ride with an omnimover system god bless the omnimover system praise and... omnimover <laughs> uh it features like laser tag type guns that fire at either stationary or moving targets that are sprinkled throughout the dark ride. Um, and there's a, a very basic plot that you follow through the Omnimover um, where Buzz Lightyear has to stop the evil Emperor Zerg from stealing the AA batteries from Star Command's equipment. Uh, so you're there and there's targets in different shapes, circles, triangles, diamonds, squares. Um, and they have the letter Z on them, and you have to shoot those targets as uh, as much as possible. And by doing so, then you defeat the evil Emperor Zerg with your buddy Buzz Lightyear. And then at the very end, Zerg is uh, returned to the store <laughs> with a uh, with a receipt and everything. Uh, and and Alice, you know, the more you talk about this, the more I just I can't hold myself back. I have to ask you something. Um. Can we have an aside for a second? Sure, buddy. Just uh, go ahead and step over into my office here. I'm gonna I'm gonna walk over there now. Uh, can you close the door? <laughs> Certainly. Okay. So now that when you're you're when you're we're in your office, I I feel like we can have this aside. Um, are they toys in this? 
Or are they not toys in this? Because I have no idea, Alice. (laughs) (laughs) Right, because, like, they're stealing AA batteries, um, but they're, like, they're not called AA batteries. They're called, like, energy or, like, like fuel ponds or something. Something, Yeah, something. But, okay, here's, here's what I think. Here's, here's what I think about this. Yes. We know from Toy Story 1 that Buzz thinks that he is, in fact, a space ranger. However, when Andy walks into the room, he freezes up just like any other toy. Which makes me think that part of the canon of being a space ranger that's plugged into every single Buzz Lightyear toy involves certain things including AA batteries and boxes and receipts and the whole thing. Like, some some version of those items are canon in, in a Buzz Lightyear universe. You're saying that you think Buzz doesn't think it's weird that to defeat Zerg, you have to put him back in a box and return him to the store, and that Zerg's right, that- plan might actually involve stealing double-A batteries from Star Command, where Star Command's main screen at Star Command an, base is an etch a sketch. It's an etch a sketch. Alice? <laughs> I know. I know it's I know it's it's iffy, but why else would, would Buzz freeze up when Andy walks into into a room? Why is he okay with his ship being made out of cardboard? Um, and he has to know when he's being played with, or like when when Andy pushes his laser too many times and it goes dead, that he gets a double A battery put into his back, right? Like, so do you think has- that this is this is our buzz, like the buzz from our movies, or do you I think that this is like the the idea of buzz? Because because there's there's precedent in the Toy Story movie, Toy Story two specifically which this ride was designed uh, shortly after, um, where Buzz fights Zerg in a video game about Buzz Lightyear. And Rex is playing the video game, and it zooms out, and then Buzz is like, oh, yeah, I have some advice for that video game, like, if you want some help beating it, because, like, Buzz knows things about it. And... Right. He has, like, latent memories from a canon where he has indeed fought and defeated Zerg. Right, but hang on, because in that video game, there's no mention of, like, toyness. Like, Zerg claims to be Buzz's father, and they fight on an asteroid, and there's actual lasers. Like, they're not toys. They're they're real characters that really have beef and, and really fight in this... Buzz Lightyear versus Zerg universe. And Alice, I gotta remind you that at the time, <laughs> Alice, there was a Buzz Lightyear of Star Command TV series animated Ugh. that had its own canon and characters in which Buzz and other space rangers fought the evil Emperor Zerg every but week in- on Disney Channel. But A, I've definitely watched every episode of that show. Thank you. Um... <laughs> I loved that show. My little brother loved that show. We watched sure. it all the time. Yes. Uh, yes. They, there is Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. And that is, that Buzz Lightyear Star Command TV show is what I believe is Buzz Lightyear's latent memories uh, of having fought Zerg. That's so he what remembers I think this is. that. That. 
all of the events of that TV show are in every single Buzz's memory, and that's why he knows how to fight and defeat Zerg. Um, because of things like the little alien monsters are in the show, and they worship the claw, and all of that is the same like thing. Those are those are memories that toys have, and. And it's so it's some sort of weird alternate universe where the toys aren't toys, so they remember it all. Listen, I thought that I had somewhere to go with all of this, but now I'm just as confused and sad as you are. Alice, I think I have a little bit of a solution, but it's not a complete one. Uh, I think the implication of this ride is that this is all imaginary. Not from oh. Buzz's perspective, but perhaps from Andy or some other kid. Oh, uh, oh, buddy, that's brilliant. Because no, because, that's that's good. Because Buzz is acting like Buzz would, and he he clearly is believing this scenario, and so is Zerg. But every alien or planet has toy-like elements. There's a Jack in the Box alien, like that's not a thing. That's not a thing in like in in the Buzz Lightyear of Star Command universe, in any decent sci-fi universe. A Jack in the Box alien, not a thing. A merry-go-round no. alien, a, an alien with wheels. Uh, these are not. Those are things. all targets that you can hit on the ride. But you're absolutely right. Those would be toys that Andy would set up around his room, like the first scenes of Toy Stories one and two, where you're getting him moving the characters around and 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 having. Playtime. It's right. playtime it's from play Andy's time. perspective. And, and I think that's that's a good kind of middle ground to try to strike from a ride design standpoint. Because, like, you want everybody re to recognize that this is toys and Toy Story. And, yeah, I mean, let's face it, the Buzz Lightyear Star Command TV series is not that big of a deal. Kind of a pop culture footnote compared to Toy Story. Um, right. And it's it's... So you want the imagery of Buzz Lightyear... You want kind of the fun of playtime and toys. And after all, this game is kind of a, or this ride is, a big game. So it's kind of a toy in itself. So it does kind of make sense that this might be a uh, a Toy Story playtime <laughs> type thing. So I, what you're saying is that it is a story about toys or a toy story. I might be saying that, Alice. And, you know... <laughs> Uh, I, I gotta say that the one thing that really unsettles me about this whole scenario is that these toys systematically, like, break Zerg's thing that he was building, whatever it was, and then throw him into a box and then sign the receipt as humans and call him a bad <laughs> toy and have him return to a wall of other Zergs, just like in the movie. Toy Story 2, where Zerg exists on a wall of other Zergs, and I gotta say, that's that's really not that's unsettling in a lot of directions. Pretty dark, yeah. <laughs> like, and and the the little green men are like, "You're a bad toy. Go back to the store." But like, is there a good Zerg out there that like would be more amenable to playtime? Is this Zerg broken? Like, what's the deal? <laughs> Maybe there is a good Zerg. There there are more self-aware buzzes, so maybe there's also a good Zerg. That that would, like, not be evil? Does that imply that, like, when you unbox a Zerg, like, he starts making mischief until he figures out that he's a toy? Like, maybe. 
And also, does that imply that whoever was playing with this toy was like, oh, dude, this Zerg is haunted. We got to return it. (laughs) Maybe. It stole all my other toys' batteries. (laughs) We got to send it back to the store. It's a bad Zerg. We got a bad Zerg. Humans in the Toy Story universe. Do you think humans in the Toy Story universe are accustomed to their toys doing things behind their backs? Because they'd have to be, right? <laughs> like, they would. Just like, oh, Woody ended up over here today. That's weird. <laughs> I mean, like, they wouldn't think like, it was weird. They would think it was normal. So, like, if Zerg, if you walk back into your room and Zerg has, is just sitting on a pile of batteries, you'd be like, oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. And all your other toys are mysteriously out of battery. <laughs> like, oh, no, I got a bad <laughs> Zerg. Then the Zerg back. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Alice, uh, this this actually raises oh, a lot Lord. of questions for me about toys and their personalities and and how their their personalities are based on their designs and their their preconceived oh, notions good. about themselves. So I think uh, oh, that good. we are we're just, just a, a Toy Story podcast. We're just going to be a Toy Story podcast now. <laughs> um, and and on this episode, I think we'll, we'll just kind of roll with it. And we'll just keep going. I'd like to talk about, uh, sure. uh, do you think all Rexes are nervous Rex, and that's why they're called T-Rexes? <laughs> I hate you so much. Uh, do you think all Slinky Dogs are, like, cool dudes because they're so flexible and, like, that's what makes them, like, cool oh, with everything? Do you think that all Potato Heads are judgmental bastards? <laughs> <laughs> that, that call people murdering swine? Um because you uncultured swine. Yeah, and, and do you, like that's not a nice thing to call a piggy bank, right? Like, what are you looking at, you hockey puck? Oh my god, that's so mean. Come on, so mean, that's so mean. It's really mean. The hockey puck didn't do anything. Anyways, Alice, um, I guess we can we can leave your office now and get back to the actual podcast, which I think oh is about god. theme parks. I think so. My brain hurts. Oh, it's okay. I think it was a good time. <laughs> Yeah, I'm into it. <laughs> okay, so now that uh, our aside is over, um, let's get back to Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters. Uh, so the main point of the ride is to get more points than the passenger next to you. Um, you shoot the targets and your score goes up. And there's at the end, there's a chart with rankings that you can meet. If you get a certain number of points, you become a cadet or a pilot. And those are kind of, they kind of function as a permanent leaderboard. You can uh, hit those benchmarks, uh, you know, every time you go, you say, oh, well, last time I only hit cadet, but this time I got enough points and I got to pilot. Uh, So you can uh, keep track of your own progress every time you go. Uh, There's no action, there is a, a a daily leaderboard. Um, but for the most part, it's about your personal goals and your personal, um, record against the person that you're playing against. For example, how I have always beat Buddy at Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters every time we've gone. And I, I I would like to point out that, you know, I've, I've, I've sat on this and there, there was one time that I did win. Ugh, ugh, fine. Yes, go ahead and tell the people about it. You slept on the fact that there was a triangle like right next to us when the ride stopped, and <laughs> I, I, I took advantage of the situation, being the uh, strategic <laughs> player that I am. 
uh, and was uh, able to rack up a whole lot of points uh, that went unanswered by you, I do believe. Is it strategy if your strategy is to physically elbow me away from the control that pointed your half of the cart in the direction of the triangle, making me unable to hit it the entire time? <laughs> You know, you know, Alice, I think that um, all is fair in Buzz and War, so I feel like, you know, uh, nobody said, hey, don't do that, and uh, the referees allowed it uh, upon further review. Physically. Physically. You know, Alice, I, I don't think it says anywhere in the rule book that a, uh, that a golden retriever cannot play football. <laughs> um, so I think that I may have won out of that situation, so. All right, fine. Okay, so one time you beat me. Once. Yeah, that, yeah, and uh, you know, I, I'm going to hold on to that. You know, I, I kind of want that score that I got, um, which is here in my ledger, by the way. Right here in the, I've got my ledger. Thousands here. and thousands of points. And then I just kind of want got... that printed on my epitaph, actually. Um, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyways, so the the uh, the whole system, the whole whole game including the leaderboard and all of that kind of seems to be reminiscent of classic arcade games, uh, like, a, like a good old fashioned pinball or Pac-Man, uh, from the general look of the, of the whole thing from the leaderboard at the end to the led score counters on the physical car that you're in. Um, and the emphasis of the score itself, uh, all feel very uh, kind of classic 80s arcade uh, vibe, which also yeah. the movie Toy Story kind of gives off that that kind of classic 80s childhood uh, vibe as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, Toy Story has a, a relationship with arcade games, right? With with Pizza Planet. Um, and there's, there's kind of this idea that maybe you know, the, the toys know of arcades or, or maybe some of them even come from arcades. So like, uh, there's, there's definitely precedent there to say that this is kind of Toy Story blended with arcades, but Alice, you know, when we're, when we're playing this game, it, it's very striking to me that, uh, there is no loss state. There is no way to lose this game. Um, you're totally right. So, so what is, what is a lost state is the question here. Um, and, uh, I, it's another game design turn, uh, that we're just going to kind of throw in. And, and the short version is that lost state is the, the conditions under which a player of a game can lose. Uh, this can mean making too many mistakes or being outwitted or outmatched by an opponent or otherwise running out of chances to play. Uh, having no moves left is a lost state. Um, most competitive games and single-player games have lost states baked right in. Uh, chess, poker, and baseball, for example, all have different lost states. Uh, in order, checkmate, losing all of your chips, and being outscored by the end of the ninth inning are the lost states of those games. Uh, but if we're talking about classic video games, Pac-Man, Galga, Dig Dug, the lost state arrives when you run out of lives, or... Um, if you're hit too many times by on-screen enemies. And these games are designed to chew through your quarters to maximize their profits, so you lose a lot. Uh, they're very difficult games. Uh, and, and 
the game over screen is is so important i think to like classic arcade design and this ride and indeed the other ride as well um it doesn't have that there's no way to lose at astro blasters yeah but you could not have people lose at Astro Blasters. You're in a theme park that has tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of people on a daily basis, and they're on vacation and they've paid hundreds of dollars to be there. You could never, ever tell them that they lost. If you say, oh, your ride is done halfway through because you didn't get enough points, like, you you could never do that. So you want to give the look of the arcade game but without any of the risk. Without any of the stakes, yeah. And and that's that's such an interesting thing, and I think it's part of what makes uh, these rides feel sometimes less, uh, maybe lesser than rides that base themselves on a thrill or on a cool piece of technology or, or, or a cool story. These these rides can't, they, they pretend to be games, but they aren't games because you have to be able to win or lose at a game. And these are rides that you can, you could ostensibly, I guess, sit through if you wanted to, uh, and still be congratulated as a participant, as a winner. Um, if you never touch the, the joystick or the, uh, gun on Astro Blasters, Buzz will still just be like, great shot, Space Ranger. You did it. You, you stopped, sir. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's not what you did. Um, and if you if you chose to do that, for example, if you if you left Astro Blasters and you went down to the Starcade and you're like, okay, I'm gonna pop in a couple of quarters and play, you know, whatever arcade game they have there these days, um, you'd lose and the game would be <laughs> over and you'd never see the end because you need to be very good at the game to see the end or you need to pump in a lot of quarters, uh, and that's just something you can't do with a theme park ride, and especially Alice, we were talking about how long would you wait. Or a ride like this, and if you're waiting 90 minutes to play this game, losing you is don't want to lose. losing is unacceptable. Losing before the end is unacceptable, and I think that's the interesting part. Um, is that uh, the solution for these attractions is to say that everybody kind of wins, right? You you make it to the end. You you did a great job, but. If you have, uh, if you won more than the other people, you get to brag. You get to be like, haha, I won more than you won. We are both winners though. Um, but, but you, well. you can get, <laughs> 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 you can get bragging rights or whatever, but like. And I, and I do. I and do. I do keep my bragging rights. You do you. keep your bragging rights, but you know, it's, it's a, it's not a game you've lost. It's a game that you've not won as much at. Uh, and that's really interesting. And, 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 you know, there's, there's another ride that, that this reminds me of that maybe we'll get to in another episode, but Radiator Springs Racers, uh, the the Cars Land ride, the big Cars Land ride, uh, has a, a race mechanic, right? Uh, where, where the two cars line up next to each other and they, they race at the end. Um, I don't recall ever being on a car that lost. I have been on a car that lost. Oh, okay. So what but is you that lose, like? You lose by like less than a nose, mm. and at this, and it's like super, super tight race, mm. you know. 
And the only people that notice are the people in the other car because the the narrative is still the same. Like, wow, what a great race. I'm so glad we had all this fun together. They don't even say, you won, or, oh, better luck next time. They literally don't. They just say, say, wow, that was a great race. They say, good race. Good job. Good game. You can't, you, you love, people love the spirit of competition. Uh... But they don't love the results of competition because that results that results in people losing. Uh, people love to win for sure. So if everybody can walk away feeling like a winner, then these aren't really games per se. Uh, they're interactive rides that have game-like elements. But it would it would be my thesis statement in this episode, Alice, to say that if you can't lose then it's not much of a game. That is incredibly insightful, buddy. <laughs> Thank you, Alice. Thank you. Uh, and I think it might be time for us to move on to our second ride of the day. Uh, yes, the um, extremely similar, uh, but um, a slightly different uh, <laughs> version of this same game. I just, I don't even know how to describe it. It's almost the same ride and game. Um, Midway Mania, Toy Story Midway Mania, which is across the street over at Disney's California Adventure, uh, a lot in Paradise Pier, soon to be Pixar Pier. Um, it's another dark ride game. It's a, but it's a screen ride. It's a, it's you ride on your little like a universal system. You go from screen to screen, and. You interact with the screen in front of you with your 3D glasses right. and your little... It's not a joystick either. It's, no, it's a, a, it's a plunger-type it? uh, launcher. You, yeah. you, you pull a string to fire whatever it is you're firing. And I think that's what's unique right. about Midway Mania is that it's not a consistent set of rules. Uh, right. So similarly to Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters, it's a Toy Story property. It's a game... It's interactive, it keeps score, but it is variant. It changes uh, when, you, when you ride it. Well, you know, Alice, I, I was thinking about this, and I was just watching the uh, ride-on footage of the Orlando attraction, which is identical to our attraction uh, in many ways in, in uh, Anaheim. Uh, and it, it is... It does vary... Uh, on, on about a 30-second-ish basis uh, from from segment to segment. So uh, you sit down in the in the little car, which is actually pretty ingeniously designed. It has two sides, so you can put four people to a car and you experience the same thing on either side. If that makes any sense, you're, you're kind of back-to-back with the other people. Um, yeah. And... You put on your 3D glasses and you you get brought before a bunch of different screens. Uh, So the first screen is a um, kind of a Wild West. And the next one is uh, dinosaurs. It's all dinosaur themed. Uh, And a volcano explodes. And then the next one is uh, Buzz Lightyear. And it's all space and little green men. Um, And the next one is Wild West again. And then there's a bonus round. And then the the ride ends. And this ride is... You're right to say that it's it's very similar, but I think what it the difference between it and Buzz is is the use of screens, right, and the fact that there's this variety in it that is 
I think, personally, makes for a weaker experience. Really? Yeah. Uh, I, I think I think there's something to be said about Buzz, Buzz Blasters, Astro Blasters, whatever you want to call it. The Space Ranger spin, as it were. Uh, I think there's something to be said for the simplicity of the design. You know, you've got one way to fire. There's one kind of target at different values. Uh, and they're placed in an environment that is uh, 3D and real and physical that has a lot of little hidden gems and stuff and, and movement. Um, whereas the Midway Mania uh, games, because they are a series of Midway games, which is, which is actually really great for, by the way, the peer setting, as you were talking about. Right. It's, it fits in with the theme of the peer, which means it fits in with the theme of California Adventure and the idea of a Santa Monica or, or Santa Cruz uh, style, like gaming peer. You go to those, to those places, to those mini theme parks on the water and you play games just like this. Yeah, and, and, and the games uh, but, are but in real life. The games are pie tosses, uh ring tosses, uh dart shooting, things like that. Um but I, I think the fact that it has to be explained four different times over the course of the ride and that the um the mechanics are less intuitive. I was just watching it and there's there's a part where uh one of the characters yells and it's like it's like halfway through. The character's like, Aim higher if you want to shoot farther. And like that that's so much less intuitive than point the gun, fire the gun, right? Um and and it it's that it has to keep being explained that it in the Buzz Lightyear one, it's like shoot for the jetpacks, they're extra points. And they they're they're always saying something new. There's always this new novelty to experience on this ride. Um and it's so fast and it's it's all countdowns five, four, three, two, one, on to the next thing. And it, it really, it leaves me, after writing it, feeling exhausted and confused. Um, whereas a good ride of Astro Blasters leaves me feeling uh, victorious because I know that I should lean on the uh, joystick to stop you from rotating it. Uh, <laughs> this doesn't, I don't feel like any of that amount of control or any of that amount of like uh, moments to stop and look down and like check my score, see how I'm doing against you. Or any of that. With Midway Mania, baffling. it feels it feels fast and baffling, um, and it's it's just not. Okay. It's not my cup of tea. Uh, I understand that, and I even agree with some of that. I agree with the stopping to look at your score and 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 like that. I like Midway Mania maybe better than Astro Blasters. Um, one. Because it's so variant, every you know, every screen is a different kind of ride. But also, I didn't grow up playing a lot of video games or going to arcades. If it wasn't super obvious, when I talk about one of my favorite video games being an old GameCube Harry Potter game, I'm not much of a video game. To be player. fair, Alice, that game uh, is fantastic, and you should never feel ashamed. Thank you, buddy. No problem. I think you're the only person in the world that would agree with me on how fun that game is. I think, I think it's kind of universally panned. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I do, however, love going to a county fair or to the pier and playing ring toss games and 
and, and stuff like that. I love trying my, my skill at these rigged games. I always have since I was mm. a kid. Um, we always, every year we went to the Orange County, LA County, Pomona County, and Ventura County fairs. Wow, each of those fairs? Uh, ev- almost every single year we hit wow. all of them. Uh, sometimes it was just vent- uh, Orange and Ventura. Um, but we, yeah, we did our, we did our best to hit every single one. And, um, and so I love those games and I love dropping a little bit too much money to try and play. Cause to me, it's the, uh, the, the, uh, the fun of the game is worth the money and I'm not really playing. I'm playing for the prize, but it's, I'm, I know that I'm not going to win a prize every time. So I'm dropping the money for the fun of, of, of a good ring toss of a good ring on a bottle yeah. toss. You know how many goldfish that I've won? At the Ventura County How many Fair? goldfish have you won? So that's many. That's too many. Just that's, so that's many. That's a lot. That's too many. So many goldfish. <laughs> One of them lived for like five Oh, I had, a, I had a goldfish so. like that from a carnival as well. And, and you know, that's that's the thing, though, is that these these games uh, in Midway Mania harken back to an actual carnival Midway, um, which, you know, Disney, Disney right next to this ride has put actual Midway games in. Um, and, you know, you go down to its neighbor, Knott's Berry Farm, and it has plenty of this kind of game um, or any of these county fairs. And again, these are games that are designed to be lost. Uh, That's and, true. And they're designed to be lost way more often than they are to be won, uh, all in the name of profit, of course. And I, I feel less engaged with a with a simulation of that uh to kind of go back to the idea of simulacra um a simulation of a game which is kind of its own kind of a simulation right like a a certain amount of conditions being placed in front of you um it, it just it doesn't really stick with me the way that maybe a uh a buzz blasters type thing really does with, with all of its uh, detail and environments and its own little story because midway mania doesn't really have a story. It's playtime with the toys is what it is. Um, and, and you know, the, the right. toys are all like, Hey, welcome to midway mania. Here we are. We're going to play some fun games. Uh, you know us. I'm Woody. This is Jesse over there's Rex. You're, you're going to meet us all. Anyways, here we go. Pew, 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 pew. And you, you play a fun game together with the toys. And that's, way more clear than what we discussed in our aside, um, which, (laughs) which I think maybe, maybe we should never speak of again for fear of truly becoming a toy story exclusive podcast. Um, maybe we should start a, a, a side project where we just talk about toy story, (laughs) but it is, it's, it's much more clear with midway mania because it's, there's no pretension. You can see where this is actually set up by things Andy would have in his room. Um, there's tinker toys, there's books, blocks, uh, things like that. And this is a game that Andy's playing or that the toys are playing with Andy's stuff. Either way, it's toys being toys. Uh, and you're just kind of there along for the ride. And then at the end, you get a score and a rank and just like, Astro Blasters, but much more, uh, I guess, technologically advanced. If you if you like this sort of three D thing, uh, but it it just doesn't doesn't quite stick the same way uh, for me. And also, it's 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 not on an Omni Mover, Alice. So the 
The line <laughs> is incredible. You're, you're you're right. That I will not argue. Um, Praise the, the Omnimover. Too long. All hail the Omnimover. Thank you. <laughs> well, Alice, I guess that means that our episode on game rides at the Disneyland Resort are is has finally come to an end. At long last. <laughs> at long last. Um. But I guess uh, at this time, we should probably uh, talk about some of our favorite interactions on Twitter this week. I put this question out to Twitter. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on rides that are more like games than anything else at the parks? And overwhelmingly, the response was, I get so competitive at them. Um, so I, we've, we've got a couple of people who responded that way. The first one, uh, her name is Emma. She's at underscore spectromagical, and she said that, you know, she's not even that uh, competitive of a person, but that for some reason, these rides bring that out in her. So so that's really interesting, right? That's like a common thread. I, I mean, when we started to talk about this, it was like, oh, who won last time? You know, how how, how much <laughs> did they win by? And we, we have all of our trash talk, and that's fine. Um, but like, Weird that you can walk in and you're like having a peaceful day at Disneyland and then bam, uh, a ride about a, a, a spaceman or a ride about toys having fun. You're just, you're just in the zone, the competitive zone. Right. And you're willing to talk mad smack to the, your loved ones <laughs> that you brought along with you. Exactly. Maybe that's, maybe it's a nice, I don't know, change of pace for people. Yeah, it's almost cathartic, right? Like, oh man, now I really get to show it to so-and-so who's been bugging me all day. Um, <laughs> and and that's that's really funny to me. Now, uh, I've got another response from uh, Leah Disney Life, who is at Leah Disney Life on Twitter, who said that uh, she loves the concept of trying to find and hit the harder targets um, instead of instead of competing, kind of challenging herself, which... This kind of strikes me more as the uh, the arcade or midway, like the legitimate uh, versions of those games, right? The the ones where there really is a challenge. Because I've never I've never found myself being like, oh man, that target on Midway Mania is just it's just so hard to get. It's just it's going too fast, too far back. I mean, you you could you could rapid fire that thing. You could pretty much hit anything you want on that screen. Um, so so you know to to find that challenge and to look for that is kind of your own way of finding a lost state, right? Like if I can't hit the challenging target, then I guess I I've lost this little moment. Right. Um, Alice, would you like to talk a little bit about what uh, our, our friend and contributor, Charles Gustine said? Our very dear friend, Charles Gustine uh, chimed in sounding excited about the podcast and uh, predicted that this episode would be about 90% trash talk. 9% literary analysis and then just an extra 1% trash talk just for, for good measure. And, uh, and said that, uh, the, the real point of, of rides and, and games like this is to, uh, what, what, to make your friend feel bad. Make your friend feel inferior. Uh, um, make your friend feel inferior. Which really and, seemed uh, like and, your goal this week, Alice. And, uh, and Charles, I, I really hope that we have, uh, have have met this and that I indeed uh, made buddy 
uh, look bad and talked enough trash. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's hope, funny though. I hope that we that we satisfied that. It's funny though because Charles got me thinking about this this idea of emergent narrative. So I hope that by by talking about it a little more, we've kind of shown a light. Like, what is the idea of these rides? Like, why games? Why even have them in your ride? Why not just a Buzz Lightyear dark ride about beating up Zerg? Like, that would be cool too. Um, but I think, I, guess. I think there's a reason that we're, we're throwing in these game rides as, as technology starts to allow. And I think it's because people like emergent narratives. They like narratives that they're part of when they interact with the system and come away with a story. Um, they feel more connected. So I think that's why, that, that's the goal. Um, plus trash talk, plus trash talk, which is always fun. And I, I'd like to, I'd like to thank, uh, two more people. Uh, person number one, Kate Prince, who lives in my house. Um, oh, I've heard of who, her. As soon as, uh, as I mentioned this, she's, she started talking about how she beats me at these games too. Um, which, <laughs> uh, her words are, she finds them enjoyable when she crushes my score. Um, which is, yeah, I mean, of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me try that again. Uh, she finds them enjoyable when she crushes my score, which, yes, winning is fun. I get it. You guys win all the time. I'm so sad and tragic. <laughs> um, but, you know, she also brought up an interesting point about um, having to have targets and having places to fire and shoot um, changes the way that the, the ride is set up, changes the plot of the ride, because you have to display these things, right? So I'm thinking about on, on Astro Blasters, especially, like, why do we have these rotating aliens going in a circle? Oh, it's so that sometimes you can see one target and sometimes you can see another one. Or why an alien in the box? Like, oh, it's so that one can pop out and you got a new target in there, right? Um, and these things are design choices made uh, that are actually game design choices, not ride design choices. Um and that's that's a really interesting concept that maybe we could go more into in another episode. Like when you change the point of your ride, uh, you change where you put things and how you put them there. And that does change the story that's being told, I would say. Yeah, that uh, is an interesting idea. And I think we should explore that further. Definitely. Um, thank you, Kate. And, and the one other person that I wanted to thank this week was you, Alice, for all of this great trash talk. Thank you so much. Oh, buddy. Yeah, you know what? You're just it, it brings me back to to all of the times that we fought and and uh and competed against each other and and you know, it really has been a um uh, a wonderful experience to lose to you so consistently. You see. <laughs> <laughs> no, and and I would uh and I I want to thank you also uh buddy for for letting us trash talk you as much as as I uh as we trash talk about about these you are unsettlingly good at video games. <laughs> like in Unsettlingly? Like, truly. You are unsettlingly good at okay. video games where where truly I these are the only things that I can even hold a candle. I can't beat you or play or compete with you on almost anything else, and that's why I hold so firmly <laughs> to them. And truthfully, we've ridden Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters hundreds of times hundreds maybe hours? i don't think it's <laughs> doesn't Dozens. i don't think it's true that i've beat you every single probably not every it just feels like that because i beat you so often <laughs> <laughs> but anyways buddy no thank you and 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 i want to thank you buddy and you the listeners um 
this was a difficult week for for us and we had a hard time with our technical difficulties and our 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 lives kind of being a little out of sync uh this week i just moved uh literally from one corner of the country to the other um in in the last week and um we just had had a had a hard time getting it uh getting it together but we're back and hopefully better than <laughs> ever so we wanted i wanted to thank you buddy for for being patient with me and uh the listeners for um we're sticking with yeah, it. Yeah, and if, if you're so. just one of our, our newer followers or listeners, uh, thank you for being here. Uh, feel free to reach out anytime on Twitter, especially. That's where we're very active. Um, and right now I'm in the middle of a great uh, conversation with a bunch of different people about Knott's Berry Farm on Twitter. Uh, and we're talking about uh, Alice and I maybe doing uh, a series from Knott's Berry, Berry Farm this summer. Uh, which would be a really amazing yeah. experience. And there's a lot about that part that we're just kind of rediscovering, maybe that we took for granted uh, as kids going to, to this park and kind of seeing it as kind of a uh, like an alternative Disneyland, but not really like the real deal. I'm starting to see it as its own thing, um, with its own merit and things to bring to the table and its own really interesting history and relationship with the city of Buena Park. So... I'm I'm fascinated. Yeah. I really want to dig in deeper this topic, and thank you guys for being part of that conversation. Yeah, the, we're we're really excited for what the summer has in store for us, and um, I, I honestly I'm mostly just really happy to be back in California. Uh, I'm happy to to be in in the state uh, where I grew up and back amongst my friends and my theme parks. And, uh, I'm, yeah, the summer's going to be great. So thank you, everybody. And, uh, Alice, I think it's time for an outro. The research for this episode was done by Buddy Duquesne and edited by Alice White. This episode was produced by Alice White and edited by Buddy Duquesne. Our theme music is Golden Gate by the California Feet Warmers, featuring Phil Alvin. Find the Feet Warmers on YouTube or on their website, CaliforniaFeetWarmers.com. Additional music for this podcast comes from Poddington Bear, available from the Free Music Archive. Search that up at thefreemusicarchive.org. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends. Send people to our website at thosehappyplaces.com, and join us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thosehappyplaces, where we're always talking about theme parks and ideas for future episodes. We're also on Twitter. Buddy is at at Buddy Duquesne. Duquesne is spelled D-U-Q-U-E-S-N-E. And Alice White is at Alice White THB for those happy places. Thanks for listening, and we hope you return to those happy places. Say hallelujah, I live in the sun. Love